Welcome back to another episode of Suds and Cinema. My name's Kyle. I'm Jacob. This is episode 180, and today we are talking poor things from your goat, which this movie gives a whole new meaning to your goat. <laughs> it does. All right. Huge. Plus some other things we have been watching last episode of 2023. How does it feel, Jacob? We did it. Another year. Still going. Another year. Moves around the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Episode one, OG's back for the last few episodes. 10 episodes. I don't even know how many at this point. (laughs) Who knows? So yeah, uh, last episode of the new year. Rolling into 2024. Prepping for the top 10 episode. That's going to be huge. I don't know... When exactly that will be? I think it'll still be a couple weeks out is what we decided. Yeah. I'm thinking weekend of 13th and 14th is when I think uh, will be a good time. But stay tuned. Yeah, that would probably work for me too. Cool. Anything else new for you? Not really. Just ready. I haven't been doing a lot with my time. I've been playing so much Baldur's Gate. I don't know if you've well, heard of it. We, no, <laughs> yeah, I did. I have. Uh, I guess I should say we last recorded, it was before Christmas, and now it's it post-Christmas. So how how was your Christmas? Well, I didn't go anywhere. I worked Christmas Eve and the day after, so it was like, couldn't really mm. go anywhere, do much. And everything's closed on Christmas, so. Right. It was just, Well, not yeah. the Chinese restaurants. Those are open. Yeah, it's true. Always. We did watch Christmas movie, which I forgot to apparently check in two christmas movies but oh yeah that was it that day a little teaser yeah i don't know why i forgot to check that one in though (laughs) that's classic jacob at this point (laughs) it is it's becoming a bit yeah it's it's all a bit so christmas was good i mean what'd you get anything exciting oh yeah i did get they now banned Apple Watch as a gift. The now banned Apple Watch? Who, yeah, who the Apple nine is banned. Yeah. Well, apparently they got they were sued by this company for who said they infringe on their patent for like O2 saturation check, which I'm like, who uses that anyway? It's not COVID anymore where people cared. But yeah. And then they that sue lost. It got thrown out of court in California. And then that so that company went to the International Trade Commission. It was like, hey, we they stole our they infringed our patent. And the International Trade Commission actually sided with them, which means they banned imports of Apple Watch from because you know obviously it's made in Vietnam. It's not made in the U.S. So it's banned importing it, which means whatever's on the shelves now is all there is. <laughs> allowed to be until that's lifted so right now apple watch series 9 is and ultra 2 are banned from importing to the u.s jail so this is like a super exclusive thing that you have then right yeah now it is apparently (laughs) (laughs) i want to hold on to that and see what the see what the the secondhand market has has (laughs) yeah the first new apple watch i had since like the SE, like original, and then it happens to get banned. 
I have you. It makes me want to use the O2 sat thing more, though, just because like, <laughs> I'm like, ha ha, I have that. Ooh, 99%. Doing great. 99% O2. Yeah. Science rules. Yay. Don't know what that uh, saturation <laughs> you means just, or anything. As but... long as it's above 95, it means you're not dying or have COPD or something. So great to know. Yeah, it's very pointless unless you have COPD, I guess. <laughs> well, cool. All right. Well, anything else that you need to uh, go over? No. What did, What about you? How was yours? Oh, Christmas? Oh, my Christmas yeah. was uh, just dandy. Went to uh, went to my dad's on Christmas Eve. Got to meet uh, the new... I, I sorry. <laughs> just all over the place with those two. Well, it's a stupid trackpad. Um. Went to my dad's on Christmas Eve, got to meet the new baby. Um, didn't get anything, uh, you know, too exciting. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that in case they listen to this. Uh, I love that. Yeah, really, like, actually, it was amazing. amazing. <laughs> Best gifts um, ever. Yeah. Best gifts ever. Um, and then, uh, yeah, spent Christmas Day uh, with Alyssa's family and uh, got a set of golf clubs. I've never really been golfing, but as we get older, it's something more people do our age and uh, I feel like I should get start into getting it into it. I can more just for the social aspect and the drinking. Don't really care so much about the I mean, game. that is the, that's all that anybody cares. <laughs> when I went the one time golfing, my entire goal was to just not get like passed by the people behind us. <laughs> yeah. And the did succeed in that, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so bad. Like I sliced it every single time. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the hardest thing I feel like is actually uh, aiming the ball and not not slicing or what's the other one called when you jack, I just uh, line drive. Well, no, oh. I think a slice is to the right, and it's another term if you go to the left. Oh, really? Well, Maybe. then I was I, the I other be, term because mine always went curved left. I could be totally making that up, but I feel like that's a term from I played a few golf games in my day. All right. <laughs> Hot shots golf huge Um, see i just turned to the right to adjust for it and then i was like kind of good because it would just curve (laughs) just straight you wouldn't hit the ball straight you would just turn your i literally turned my body (laughs) i got way better after that though which i'm pretty sure also don't know what i'm talking about but i'm pretty sure if you slice it like that it means you're rolling your wrist when you hit the ball so you have to probably try to to, sure i was uh, doing a lot of things wrong other than that yeah yeah And that's also what I've heard is people say, if you're going to get into golf, just do one or two lessons at the beginning and it will like drastically change everything. That way you don't get into a bad habit. And then, you know, that makes sense Two behind the eight ball. If you ever want to actually get good or like go for a better score, if you wait three months and then do it, you have to fix a bunch of things rather than just starting off on the right foot. So. Probably should go to the driving range a lot too, so you can yeah practice. <laughs> you actually have to practice, but uh, fuck that, you know. Yeah. All right, Christmas was good. We're going into the new year. Um, that's it. Let's get into our featured beer here, which is Vandals from Long Beach Beer Lab. A first, a I think. Fancy name. Yep, definitely a first, but an uh, interesting name, too. You know, it's usually like brewing, brewing company, all that bullshit. Uh, beer Lab is what this is. So hold on, let me pull Maybe it. Maybe it's science-based. 
No, that would be. Oh, oh okay, yeah. When as soon as you said, that, <laughs> I was thinking of um. Oh, what's that brewery? Equinox. Yeah, I was gonna. I was trying it to think of what it was too. Yeah. The Nerd Brewery. Mm-hmm. I need to get some more of that shit. Yeah, they were good though. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right, wait. I have two of them on here. God damn it! I hate when this happens. This one has 35 check-ins. This one has 314. All right, we're going to this one. All right, so Vandals from Long Beach Beer Lab is a fest beer, clocking in at 6% ABV. Um, <laughs> details read, punk rock fest beer. There's Well, literally... on the actual can, it has quite a thing. On oh, here it. we go. Beautiful. Why didn't they just put this? Okay. Yeah, we're I don't know. They we're probably didn't make it. it. We're proposing an edit after this. Um, Vandals, a vibrant a vibrant, a clear. That's probably why. They <laughs> that's why, because they right away. <laughs> messed up the first sentence. Framer is shit. A vibrant, a clear brew that embodies the essence of Oktoberfest, crafted by Long Beach Beer Lab in collaboration with the legendary punk rock band The Vandals. Oh, this really? crushable beer celebrates the 25th anniversary of their seminal album, HBVG. With a rebellious spirit and a punchy flavor profile, this punk rock fest beer exudes a harmonious balance of malty and hoppy goodness. The luminous color entices the eye while the crisp mouthfeel delights the palate. Raise a glass to the relentless energy of punk rock, of punk rock and celebrate the enduring legacy of the Vandals. Now that was a wordy description, but quite well written and um uh, except they're for the first up. sentence yeah except for the very first one do you you read that right am i going crazy that's a vibrant a clear yeah. Yeah. okay yeah. i think it's maybe supposed to be a vibrant and clear brew or a vibrant, a vibrant or clear brew. a vibrant clear brew <laughs> right yeah okay anyway gra- gra- grammatics aside um not expecting a lot Fest beer, October beer, not usually my favorite, unless it's f- actually from Europe. Yeah, it's exactly. from California. Yeah, exactly. So, but it is interesting that it is beered in collaboration with a band. Now, what does that even mean to be brewed in collaboration with a band? Yeah, are what they, is, like, they're just like, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or they just like, yeah, yeah, take our name. Like, what is the collaboration here? That's what I'm curious about. It's probably about as far as it goes that. True. They're like, hey, can we use your name and name our beer after it? They're like, sure. And they're like, in collaboration with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the uh, the untapped, even though the untapped leaves a lot to be desired, uh, it doesn't have anything about them collaborating. And obviously, uh, they're not going to be their own separate brewery. But coming in at, uh, what do we got here? A 359 rating? I guess let's try it. Not the highest. <laughs> Smells very sweet. I'm not getting any kind of smell. My nose is also really? fucked up. <laughs> Got COVID still. Yeah, never came back. It uh, smells yeah, caramely and fruity like a fest beer. Mm, very caramely. I got a lot of head. Hold on. Waiting to try it. Very caramely. Oh, boy. Very. Yikes. But not like not bad. It just 
Okay, you like Sometimes October. Sometimes you get more so of like a it, happy. I yeah, do. Yeah. What are you feeling on That's this? That's usually one? what you get like a roasty, like caramely, happy, little malty flavor, but this is more heavy on the caramely, almost like an. I want to say like an amber ale, but honestly, I haven't had an amber ale in forever. So maybe that's not accurate, but that's what, for some reason, my brain is going to. It tastes like an amber. Do you like it or not? That's the question. It's fine. It's not bad. You got a taste ailment. (laughs) It's not bad. Not anywhere near the top of this Mm. style of beer I've had. I... I mean, again, I also haven't had an amber in forever, but this is not, um, I don't really think it's that similar. I do find, I mean, obviously it's more in line with Oktoberfest beers. That's what it is. That's what it's going for. (laughs) But I also feel like I like it more than um, the traditional, some of those that I've had. Yeah. And maybe it's because it's missing some of the elements that like you're mentioning that is why I like it more because I traditionally don't like those yeah. very much. I mean, it has nothing like off about it. It's mm-hmm. not like a weird taste or anything. It's just kind of preference. I think, I think it's like solid. It's fine. It's like in the middle. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a, a ceiling on these for me. So there it like is. me saying it's above the middle doesn't mean like, <laughs> I love it. It means that yeah. like it's better than those others that are not as good. Now I'm getting more of the like nutty flavor too that you would expect. Mm. Fest yeah, beer. Not bad. I've only not had three special. checked in. Okay, maybe I do like fest beers. Okay, so if this is a fest beer and it's not does that mean it's not does that mean a fest beer is not an Oktoberfest? Are they mutually exclusive or different? I think they are like the same, but I think so. Like, I think Marzins are like the normal ones, and this one is like different from a Marzin. <laughs> yeah, because Marzin is another a separate category on the Untapped, at least for styles, and I've had. What M seven margins. And yeah, that's where some of the lower scores come in is around margins. The BJ's Oktoberfest, the Rheingeist, Franz, that was trash. And that German beer that you liked was a fest beer classified. So there you go. Maybe you're about the fest beers and not the Marzins. Maybe. But none of these are that low. Well, the Harvest for the Misses and the Ultimate Oktoberfest from Founders, those are both margins, but they're coming in at like 10%, so they're yeah. flavorful on those. And the Founders October or the Founders, yeah, Founders Oktoberfest is a margin that's like a three. I mean, yeah, I feel like that has always been the ceiling for me is like a three on like a normal ABV margin, like three. And that's probably where this is about. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I was thinking three, three, two, five, but I think exactly. I'm going to decide on a three. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably lock in a three for now. And we'll see how the rest of the beer goes. Definitely might change it. 
Okay, anything else on Vandals? Punk rock, fest beer? What makes this so punk? I Maybe because, I don't know, they have festivals. <laughs> and they're I like... Because, uh, yeah, I remember the only other one I can think of with punk was Punk IPA by... Uh, what's that one? The one we oh just had? God. Stone? No, no. Punk but hey, that is another one too, right? There we go. There's oh, two... Brewdog. Punk in the Park, and, yeah, and Brewdog Punk IPA. They're both IPAs that are yeah. with punk in it. And well, I, I guess, guess this that one seems like it fits more. Had something to do with an anniversary of an album in there. Just happened to play punk music. All right. You ready to get into our featured review? Let's dive in. Okay. Well, we are talking Poor Things. Uh, Poor Things was written by Tony McNamara and based on a novel by Al- Alastair... Alistair Gray, uh, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. It stars Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, and Rami Youssef. Lost Synopsis reads, The incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Godwin Baxter. What did you think of Poor Things? So I think Yorgos did it again. I think it's great. I liked it a lot. I loved how it looked. I thought the writing was a little different than what he normally does. Normally, his are more deadpan, which this definitely had, but there was also a lot more emotion than some of his other ones. I guess they still had parts in them, but it just felt a little bit different. Maybe it was more obviously funny, whereas the other ones were more dark. I don't know what it was, but it felt a little different from his usual fare but still really, really yeah, good. Yeah. And yeah, just the world that was created and the set design and costume design just made it feel so fantastical. And I feel like it did also bring back aspects of like his previous work, especially I felt a little bit like dog tooth vibes or yeah, others. <laughs> and yeah, I I thought the performance is really good. Everyone was just all in on it, and it was very funny, and definitely wants makes me want to watch it more. Like I don't think you can get everything out of it on a first watch. I I mean I don't even know how much I've come. To, I've been trying to think about it afterwards, like everything mm-hmm. that it was about, but it just seems like. I just skinned the surface of it, but I thought it was, yeah, pretty great. Pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, we got to stop agreeing at some point, Jacob. Um, (laughs) I would say I'm in lockstep with you. I really, really liked it. Borderline loved it. Um, I do think it is, there's aspects to it that are more like just comedically, like the physical comedy and you know, much more surface level humor. Um, it's not as, it is still very darkly comedic, um, but like not as much as I feel like some of his other films. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I loved the, I did love the performances as well. Yep. Everybody was fully into it. Really loved the set and production design. And I don't know anything about mm-hmm. the writer, but apparently he uh like he's a scottish writer and some of like people have called his stuff like unadaptable for like a visual medium 
Um, and I think that it's obviously like fantastical and not set in the real world, but it still is like grounded enough to, uh, you know, make it a human story still. Yeah. I mean, I uh, thought it was pretty amazing how they made it. The sets look so completely otherworldly, but then like for some reason it still felt like the area it was taking place in. Like Paris yeah, looked nothing like Paris, but <laughs> yeah, it looked exactly like Paris. It was just, yeah. Yeah, right. Kind of amazing. Yeah, I loved all I, I loved all that stuff. And then um, you know, if we just get to the story itself and what it's about, I'm with you. Like this this movie, when I left, I was like, it's one of those movies that you want to do the deep dive into. You keep thinking about it. It stays on your mind. And those are the movies that I love. And yeah, to me, it was obviously like a coming of age story, but like yep. <laughs> one that due to her circumstances there, you learn it kind of, um, it's kind of like holding the, what's that saying? Hold the mirror up to yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, her being her being an adult and but having like the mind of a child uh it draws out everybody else's like true intentions and uh these things about them that she doesn't have the you know the societal norms to to follow that everyone else does so it brings out these things like their true colors you know thinking of Mark Ruffalo's character in particular but mm-hmm. everybody in the film is like this and it's you know kind of shows a like what are they actually thinking but it it's happening in in real time to her um yeah so yeah there's i mean, I mean it's like when people sexualize women from a really young age mm-hmm. and it's like okay. kind of putting that into like an like obviously she's actually older but it's like a visual representation of what people do to young women and there's see a, them as like an older there's a crazy t- it's so weird that i just learned this term today and it's funny because in the video, he says, oh, I just learned this term and it's crazy how often it comes up. And it's called, I think it's got trope. It's called Born Sexy Yesterday, I think is like what it's officially called or whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's movies where like a, a a person is like the mind of an adolescent or what he, whatever, but they have, you know, a full grown body and they're like really attractive and really hot or whatever. But they're ignorant to that because they were whatever the trope is in this case, she has the mind of a child or in another movie, a a doll comes to life or something like that. Um, and it's this trope of like, they're ignorant to this fact, but the people, you know, and then like the men in the movie, like fetishize it and like are attracted to that. Like that's why he, that's like why she entrances the men in this movie is because of like her adolescence and her ignorance. And it's really kind of creepy. And I feel like it is creepy. But yeah, I mean, Barbie does kind of a thing with that too, right? Yeah, it, that's what I mean. It's it's crazy yeah. when you like look up the trope and like what it. I can't believe I've never heard of shows. this before. It's it's so common. It's so common, and and to like when you when you learn about it and what you think about what it actually means and how common it is, it's even more fucked up because it's like, oh, we put this in so many things, and to actually think about what it implies is really creepy and fucked up. It is. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it, just other general thoughts. It's hard to uh, hard to stay completely spoiler free because um, I went into this really knowing nothing. I don't know how much yeah, you knew about it. No, zero. 
I did not yeah. know the plot at all. I just knew it was Yorgos Lanthimos that I was in. So no, I avoided this as best as I could. Yeah. Any kind guess, of spoiler. I guess if I would have anything negative to say, there were some like things about the plot and like how it moved and kind of, I don't want to say rules because I know this is like such this fantastical bullshit that like there shouldn't be any, but kind of how her intelligence have evolved that left me like questioning like okay is that does that make sense that we could make this jump logically um and some small nitpicks but yeah really really liked it and everything about it i mean i do i i think i said this on the premium but I still am kind of a little sick of the fisheye lens. Maybe a little bit too much of it. I was one. I was gonna ask you about that because <laughs> I felt the same thing. And we just were making fun of the uh, what uh, Maestro? Was it mm, Maestro yeah. that had the fisheye? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Something we watched recently, you made use of it quite a bit, and you made a comment about it. I'm like, oh, here we go with the fisheye. Let's see what Kyle says about yeah. that. <laughs> well. Okay, like in the favorite, it was a lot. I looked it up, and you know, it it kind of made sense on why he used it there. And then in here, it seemed less purposeful and more stylistic. And I think it was really literally liked... just to make it look even weirder, like more fantastical, because it just warped the building shapes and sizes and people. And I that's what I be, took it but as, with but... the setting and like the way that they did the design like the set design and everything I just felt like it was that wasn't needed like we're in a world where there's a duck that has the du- body of a dog and <laughs> a, a duck with a vice versa head of a dog like and they're just living like I don't need the fisheye lens so much I'm fine with it once in a while in those you know large rooms and and super yeah, long always could, that the favorite has it's like okay it makes sense here we're trying to get a full visual of the room of and everything yeah yeah and it adds some of the comedic effect to of like them you know having to walk from this super long hallway and there's like no dialogue it's just like and the, he does that he has that same comedic timing in here there's such long extended shots where like it almost looks like it's frozen they're like wait is something the screen moving or whatever and he just like holds on that it doesn't seem purposeful but i think it's more for comedic effect but yeah the the fisheye lens a little bit too much in here but i do like the new the additional stylistic shot of like looking through a peephole Mm, i thought that was interesting and used to good effect in some places but both of them in combination there's that the peephole shot uh the and then obviously regular wide shots and then also the black and white in the color, there's a lot. I was going to say, that was something. That was definitely Maestro did as well. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, now we got that again. And I would have to go back and see like the transition and if that is meaningful in any way or is it just another stylistic choice? I don't know. It was when she left. So okay. for me, it was like, okay, now she's open to the world. So like it's color because she's seeing right, everything right. new for the first time versus black and white where everything was old she's seen it her entire however old she, like, okay that's true that yeah that her entire sense. life well, yeah uh, for um it seemed like well because before that there there's shots in color before that though and it's maybe it is the outside world as well but it's like everything with 
God and her and his house is like contained to black and white. And then there were other shots that were in yeah. color. I think the I other shots in was... color was when she was ki- like the literal first scene when she was committing suicide. Right. Okay. So it is still, it's still, tra- it still makes sense that it's the, the view of the outside world. And like when she actually gets into it, that's color. Yeah. Okay. That makes, yep. That's tracking. Yeah. I haven't had, Again, <laughs> didn't get to do, which I'm glad we're talking about it now before like I do any like deep dive or reading on it. Um, just so I can like, you know, give my true thoughts and it's not just like regurgitating someone else's. But um, yeah, those would be my nitpicks. And, uh, I, you know, we talked about the style a little bit. Anything else that you have before we get into spoilers? Uh, I mean, one other nip while most of it i thought like flew by there was it did drag a little bit in the paris part for me but overall i thought like the pacing everything was pretty good and maybe even like i guess like the end where it was like one more thing going you know yeah (laughs) to a different person and then back (laughs) and like that was another end like that just felt like added (laughs) like yeah I I, i kind of agree actually i Although I do really like the Paris stuff and I feel like each segment it's kind of they're they're definitely not like vignette or like vignettes, but each segment almost has like something Mm -hmm. new to say and to explore like a new topic. And all of it is under the veil of like her coming of age and, you know, sinking with her, her body and her brain or whatever. And it is interesting. I mean, how do you feel about this I feel like this is very much a woman's story and a lot of it is based on like women's feelings and how men are to them and everything, but written by a man, screenplay by a man, directed by a man. Is that problematic or do you feel like the story itself is truthful and what it has to say is important? You know, I I was wondering that too, because I think for the most part, there's like that I mean, I feel like it even brings light to that with like the Matt, what's his name, Max, the her Rami fiance. Um, I think it's Max. Hold on, let me check. Keep going. Yeah, but like where he has like the more progressive, like man, you can do what you want. You know, feel free. Oh, it wasn't free. I threw thirty francs, but mm-hmm. I don't because like there is that aspect where it was like before it was always about you know freedom of sexualization like liberty of their own body and but like that was more like a previous thought it's like okay yeah that's not it either there's like more to it than that but at the same time i don't i do feel like this was not in any way being negative towards women and very clearly more on the side of like men are stupid but not all stupid right i don't know like i felt for me, it didn't like cross any line. I thought it was pretty much respectful, and I guess we should have a woman on to have their perspective no, on it. I, I do feel like it's it's respectful and stuff, and like you like when you're watching it, you're like agreeing with what it's saying. But I, I yeah. sometimes sometimes I feel like that's problematic in itself. Right. And maybe it's just being too woke or whatever, but it's like, is it a problem that like I'm agreeing with a man on him telling me like how a woman it, should how feel? How a woman see, sees. Yeah, yeah, and sees the world. Like, is that a problem? I don't know. But Even like, though it's also, also drawing to light that men are stupid and like. Yeah, exactly. Stupid. Even though like, I like, feel like 
women would agree, but like I need to know their opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I do I want to know. Yeah, it's just yeah. an interesting aside that I was thinking about when I was like thinking about the movie. I feel like, it, yeah, it's very much about women's issues and, you know, the things that they have to go through in life and all this stuff. But it's like, okay, I know Yorgos was a man. And then I looked up who the writers were. Okay, both men also like, is this a problem? I don't know. But Was the book also the author? Was that's that what I'm man? saying is, yeah, the author is a man. The screenplay yeah. writer is a man. Um, Yorgos, obviously, but... Hmm. Yeah, just uh, just interesting to think about, and I would love to hear some women's opinions on it. So, gotta gotta look up. That's another yeah. thing to dive into. Uh, okay, spoilers from here on out. Um, any details or anything that, uh, or I guess maybe moments we can talk freely about it now. Where to start? Okay, so yeah there's just so much i do feel so what i focused on when watching this was exactly what you said like this is a you know growing up a story of like coming of age tale but you know yorgos is making it so it's so off <laughs> kilter from like normal mm-hmm. coming of age stories it's definitely in his way and i think it's super enjoyable from that aspect just in the way it's portrayed but then you know you have the story of like god <laughs> and yeah, like i love how on the nose that is too like not even shy yeah. about it <laughs> just call yeah. it <laughs> and like okay that's a reference is that is he also like a reference to religion but you can also see like how he's a reference to like maybe a father and how he feels about his daughter and like it was his acceptance also of her growing up and wanting more freedom and everything yeah, which I, I when I was watching it, I thought that was weird, like a weird character moment, like a leap that he was like so against it and then he was all of a sudden for it. But in hindsight, like when thinking about it, it doesn't bother me as much as it did like in the moment when I was watching it. I was like, oh, he, you know, just I think he was just realizing like that she needs to go on this journey. And it's kind of like, yeah, like when a kid is growing up and it's like time for them to leave the house. Yes. No matter what age. Like That's how I then, took it. Marrying <laughs> yeah. someone or now like leaving for college or anything like that. It's like father has to come to accept this eventually. Yeah. That's how I took it. Like it's a literal, like this entire movie is like literally like a fast forward of a life of somebody yeah. growing up. Even because yeah. like she literally is mentally changing way faster than like a normal human would. So yeah, she hit the age exactly like you said, like, oh, now they're off to college. And it's like, you don't really have a choice as a parent with that. It's like once they're of age in which she is technically, not literally, I guess, but, or she literally is, but not technically yeah, yeah. is of age. But I mean, we are kind of like that going to college and stuff. Like we're, I was stupid compared, like I, I look back, I'm like, I was an idiot then, you know? Oh and my I God, was yeah, I know. <laughs> older, I was like, not like super young. But yeah, I was an idiot then. So like, yeah, I think that is literally what's showing it. But like, cause parents don't really have that control on that. It's like they, you just have to accept that they're leaving and then support them afterwards. And that's what he did. And I kind of loved his arc. And then we hear, I mean, so many of our parents were like, not literally abused like he was, but you know, went through stuff, especially from older parents who weren't. 
oh you, know, my you go God. back further and further generations like, like that what was... parents had to go <laughs> through right yeah yeah uh just to touch on his like abuse or whatever that was like some mm-hmm. of the funniest shit to me because he just like would talk about it like it was <laughs> so normal he's like oh yeah like my father did this like, like what happened was... to your thumbs he's like see what he did was <laughs> these things so i stared at my other fingers <laughs> yeah and well, like he would just bring it up and like it was so nonchalant about it it was just really funny i always loved yeah. like their reaction to it. he's like that's awful <laughs> yeah he's like you know he was a man of science <laughs> yeah 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 he took out my liver and pancreas because <laughs> he wanted to see he's like turns out we need them <laughs> <laughs> turns out, he wanted to yeah, see what would happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good no i think I've, i like it most as like viewing it through that lens of just the a life fast forwarded and someone that you know is experiencing experiencing life at an accelerated rate but you know learn uh, the life lessons are in there and that's kind of what i mean by the each each segment has like a new topic and it's it's oh yeah and how did you like like the changes from different the chapters i guess you could say well, I love the title cards in between. They looked that, amazing. Surrealist images. I love how awesome. they looked. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. Didn't mind that at all. Um, but like going from the Paris one is kind of like this puppy love relationship, right? She like never experienced anything anything else where they just like fuck all the time and you know, she finds something like the the uh what is it? Not an eclair, but um or wait, that's not that's not the Paris one. Uh, that's um, yeah, Portugal, Portugal, Lisbon. Yeah, the yeah. Portugal. Yeah, Lisbon. Um, the the first basically chapter outside of when it's color and she's um experiencing these new things when she finds something like that pastry and just like eats you know she something that you like when you know when you go off on your own and it's like oh I can I could eat cake for dinner if I want now and like you know gorge yourself with it it's it's all of those things that are exactly what she exactly what she does and what you would expect someone that's on their own for the first time to do. Yeah, as one does. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, they, she goes onto the ship and uh I feel like this is the point where she's matured a little bit. She starts mm-hmm. to read, she wants other things besides these, you know, just like a man and worldly desires she's like seeking friendship and well and she also learns of suffering right Right. and of suffering um she learns about philosophy a lot of things that you really come into after what do they say 25 is when your frontal lobe is fully developed so like yeah i feel like this is like the 25 to 35 year old bella baxter and she's learning about all these heady world ideas and she feels sadness and depression and then you know the paris uh segment when it's navigating like relationships more and exploring her sexuality and a lot of that stuff too. Like, yeah, even though that segment was maybe a a little long, I feel like we definitely missed. I feel like part of that. Oh yeah. That's why I feel like I must, there's gotta be more there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, like it, it courses, you know, a life like, that you would have all of these moments in and topics in and things that. Yeah. And then your parents growing old and dying. Yeah. And then your parent grows, exactly. Your parent grows old and dies. And then she finally finds a good person to settle down with. And 
that's you know what she does and yeah uh, that's that's the lens that I choose to view it in. I'm open to more interpretations and diving more into it, but viewing it through that lens, I I really really like it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it's so Yorgos, but I also feel like almost like this could be the most like popular one. <laughs> I don't. It there are. The prudish people probably wouldn't love this movie, but I do feel like this one <laughs> yeah. might be an there, easier for most people. There is uh, quite a lot of fucking in yeah, this There movie. is a lot. Just for the sexual thrill! The sexual <laughs> thrill! Pretty good. Oh, yeah. This is a very horny movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Anything else for you on poor things? I know there's a lot to, uh, go over probably a lot we missed, but there's so much. I just, I can't wait to revisit this. Yeah. Revisit this movie. Uh, And I'm going to, this is going to be one that I buy in 4k for sure. Oh yeah. This is going to look great. Yeah. I need to get an OLED screen so I can watch this. Mm, just, yeah. Yeah. The skies and stuff. Just, oh man, the set design was <laughs> like beautiful. Yeah. It was so crazy. Yeah. Super vibrant, like colors and stuff. You know, I mean, like I said, the, the production and set design are amazing, but even like the choice of like the smog coming out of the boat to be like pure green, like toxic green. Yeah. It was just like an interesting <laughs> choice because obviously it's not, it's like usually Maybe that's gray like a or climate black or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, there's probably some meaning to that. <laughs> I mean, there yeah. definitely is something about the world that's like the people suffering, right? And then maybe even about like the wealthy being so stupid with how they do charity, right? She gives the money to those people. Or obviously, they're going to steal the money. If you think yeah. of how charities, if you don't give to the right one, they just keep it, you know, and it, then exactly. those yeah, people I get richer <laughs> and it never gets to the people who need it the most. Yep. Like there's just, there's a lot of, things in this movie yeah and actually i'm glad you brought up that scene because not that <laughs> this is gonna sound fucked up and sadistic of of me but like when she sees the suffering people i couldn't really like make out anything like too disturbing or whatever but the music it was really played, hard all i could see was, was like a cat and stuff <laughs> I just saw like people like laying on the ground and like obviously it's like they're impoverished i think and, it was just like, like a, a- painting almost like a it looked like a painting of suffering versus like yeah yeah and and it was almost like you look at a painting and you draw out the meaning of suffering versus like something that we actually saw because i didn't make out a lot right well i get that like she's never seen it before so this would be perhaps super impactful but it was just weird that um like it didn't really seem that bad which again this sounds like bad and no. yeah. of me because obviously it is it is bad and they're in well, poverty, we've seen they, worse <laughs> like yeah like if you i mean god there's it, look at the housing in like india and china where it's like just you're in like little crates and shit like i mean yeah real life is bad so i'm saying in a fantastical world it to me it should have been like more fucked up to like and and the yeah. music behind it too. I'm talking about the music in particular. It swells like this grand swell. It's like the like uh, this huge reveal of like something so dark and fucked up and sadistic that it's like 
it changes her forever. And that's essentially what it does in the plot. But I didn't really feel like the image yeah. matched that. It did not. But I I've, I guess I just accept it as being more. And, like, yeah, I do too. Like, symbolic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because without... she's never seen these things. And Exa- it. I mean, the things that we see as horrible when we first come aware, like that the world is fucking terrible to people, is like maybe not near. And then as you get older and older, you just realize it's worse and worse than you think, and then worse than you think, and then worse. Right, we get like desensitized (laughs) to it pretty quickly. Yeah, especially with the internet. Um, yeah. Oh, the other thing, like I said, some of the her, what did I say before? The her intelligence improving and changing there was god damn it hold on i'll go back to the other thing but the uh the moment where she um it wasn't long before that where she's like i want to go punch that baby and then like (laughs) the the that the moment happens where she sees the people in poverty and she's like crying the and the fact that there's like kids down there and stuff it just seems like she goes from like heartless slash like I would punch this baby just for crying to like completely empathetic in not that long. That's but true. I know this but is it was a, that was the punching baby was the Lisbon scene, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know that's what I was saying is I know that it changes. It's like the, a new period in her life. Like I was saying, this is like the 25 to 30, 35 year old Bella Baxter versus the immature childish one. So I, I'm like, it's more accepting of that stuff. This is like, thoughts that i had when i was watching yeah it, so <laughs> i um, did want to touch on the score though because it was awesome yeah i didn't i so weird who did it but th- there's exactly there's like music that you can tell is like really good and well written but they it's like played off or like you know there's just something always off to it and that adds to like the offness of the movie <laughs> the weirdness. Yeah, it just movie. makes it feel I mean, that's what makes a score so good is like so many scores, like you can have a pretty good score that doesn't really affect, like stand out that much and you just plays Mm -hmm. along. Or you can have like a score like this, which like this movie would be different without it. Yeah, it adds to the movie, which is what it does. It adds so much to it. Are you ready for this? This is this guy's first film he's ever composed. Wow. (laughs) That is insane. Interesting. Yeah. Jerskin Fendrick. That is insane. Well, Keep an eye I'm on I'm interested in what he's going to do again <laughs> next. He is. Yeah, there was just, it just like, yeah. Years active, oh, this, 18 yeah, to is, present. So he's like fresh out of school or something. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know what his story is, but um, yeah, that's, it's, that's pretty incredible because I would completely agree. I think that the score like it's it's not the music that you would like listen to outside of the movie because i feel like you have it has to be something that accompanies the movie they work so in sync and you know in tandem that you can't have one without the other yeah i mean i just remember the one with the bell it was like ding and they're like Mm -hmm. "Ah." (laughs) Like, yeah it was so good but it just yeah a lot of times we talk about how the score doesn't stand out. Like, yeah. What was it? I don't remember. You can't like, remember I it. remember this. Like, <laughs> I definitely yeah. remember multiple like scenes of this movie and that music specifically for that scene. Completely agree. 
Okay, um, I think that's it for me. Anything else on poor things for you? Uh, no. Okay, what are you going to give poor things out of five stars? All right. I'm just going to do it because I haven't done it, so I'm going to give it a five. Wow. You love My this first thing. one this year. That It was time. Hey, I agree. I'm fucking love to see it. Um, for myself, I'm a little torn because I don't, I don't have like the gut feeling of a 4.5 yet. I feel like on a rewatch, it would be that with a lot of things like crystallized for me. But like when I walked out of the theater, I was like, oh yeah, four stars easily, but could go up. And again, I haven't mm-hmm. done any like research or reading on it or anything like that. So I'm going to reserve that for a rewatch, but I'm a heavy four for now. Nice. Heavy four. So I will, uh, I'll do my best to, uh, get it on the top 10 just for recognition. And then, uh, rewatch will be the real score. Let's say that. Yeah. I, I, I gotta give one. I can't go through a whole year without giving one. So, <laughs> Hey, no, no, no. You got to go with your heart. Your ghost deserves it. You know what's true. Your ghost deserves it. No, it's not. This isn't a lifetime achievement award. This is a, this is a rating out of five. It's true. All right. Well, you better not regret it on the rewatch. This better be a rewatch easiest five you've ever given on the rewatch. So then, you know, I think so. I don't see it going down. Like I only seeing it solidifying it because like, I just don't think there was anything so like, like nothing technically, nothing like I, oh. there wasn't really anything I had a problem with. So it's like, I don't know what would bring it down for me. Yeah. Like my logical plot things I could forgive on a rewatch. Like I already have forgiven some of those when talking about it with you, but stylistically there are those things, the fish islands. But that's, you know, that's a personal, that's a personal nitpick. So I could easily, you know, I wouldn't argue with you on your five. Let's say that. Plus, I guess you've just seen so many movies with fisheye. But, you know, if you haven't, <laughs> if this is like the first movie you've seen a, a, like ever that you can think of that has used it. Maybe it's mm-hmm. super interesting and fresh for you. Well, I, again, I like it in parts, but he uses it a lot. He uses it a lot. Movie. It like, does use lot. it a lot. Yeah. More than the favorite, and I thought that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, so. this was the most fish I've seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's move on to some nano reviews. I have two. I Should also I have two. Okay. Uh, why don't you kick us off? I'll start with this one first because this I did watch this before, but this is the longest. It's I have I only seen it once before, and that was Love Actually. Oh, a classic <laughs> Christmas movie. Yeah, it is my girlfriend's favorite Christmas movie. So, oh, okay. I made her watch a Christmas story, so I watched Love Actually, <laughs> and I actually think it's pretty terrible. But... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I get why like people would like it, but like... like, I mean, the star power in it alone is enough to make it. It's super watchable for a lot of people. But yeah, I just, there's way too many stories going on. Like most of them don't feel like they've given the time 
to actually give you like a feeling about them. Like there's a couple that are completely throwaway. And then mm. even the most meaningful one, which would I think would be Liam Neeson, the father son relationship. I think that was like probably, and maybe the girl who was in love with the model, but like had to take care of her brother. Like other than those two, I think they were pretty much not very redeeming. Like it was so like, <laughs> if people have like a bad thought maybe about like poor things and its portrayal of women, like this movie is horrible <laughs> in its portrayal of like women. Like the main Hugh Grant is the prime minister. He kind of likes the secretary girl. I don't know if she's secretary or what she is officially, but he kind of likes her. And then for some reason, this is a very anti-American movie too. I don't know why <laughs> that's a thing, but it's, I don't really care, but like, it's kind of weird in his portrayal of Americans specifically. <laughs> like the president is kind of a horny asshole and he tries to make a move on her, but yet the prime minister, oh. Hugh Grant immediately believes that, that, that she was all over him too. Even though like oh, that was never was shown. Ahead of its time then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, and then immediately fires her, <laughs> like gets her fired and then that's it. And then she reaches out to him once again to say, you know, I still cared about you. And that's when he decides it's okay. Cause she told him that she didn't actually do anything with him. And then they're, she's just okay with that. And they're happily ever after. I'm just like, wow. And the like entire joke, like a lot of the jokes in this movie is about just people being fat. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of like mean because she's not fat at all. But like the joke is made throughout the movie, how fat she is. I'm just like, damn, like, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe the joke at first was because she's not fat at all. And like, oh, but that's why no, it's, it's funny because she's not. But like by the end of it, I'm like, oh, man, now this just feels like personal. <laughs> the uh, There's like a, the, another character, his entire thing in life is that he wants to like be with a woman. So he decides to make a trip to America because the women are going to be easier because he has a British accent. And then like he goes to America and then there's all these hot women in a bar. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's the comedy going to be? Like, they're like, oh, wow, I love your accent. And then he's like weird and they're like, uh, but no, they just all sleep with him. And he has like a foursome with three American women. And then he brings one back with him and another one with him for his friend. And she just immediately loves his friend. I'm like, what the fuck is this supposed to like? show but yeah i feel like that was a very 90s early 2000s thing um the accents like girls falling for it just no matter what just if you have an accent you're in yeah it that was exactly it but like then you feel like this movie is trying to be like more like trying to show like actual it's i mean it's literally called love actually <laughs> so you think it's trying to like show love actually but <laughs> It's like it's so unfelt in like most of it. I mean, uh, Professor Snape's in this movie too. And like his relationship with his wife never like really turns into like a redeeming moment. It's just like she just ends up accepting it that he was terrible to her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like that's multiple times. It's just like kind of, I feel like part of the problem is just too many characters, too many stories, but like, you could have cut out quite a few of the stories to give more time to these stories. And maybe they would have been more redeemable and had like an actual, like 
arc of emotion. But I know you're not supposed to take this movie that seriously. <laughs> right. And th- I will say <laughs> this is one of those weird movies. It doesn't really have a bell curve. It's kind of all over the place. Even the people that I follow is all over the place on this movie. But Jacob, there's one in particular, the, the harshest of critics that I follow still gave this a three. You are the lowest, I want to say. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I I love it. Make Take a stance. Be a hero. But uh, yeah, I, I put, I'm being out. a hero. It's like it's and it's fucking long, too. Like it's over two hours long. <laughs> yeah, one thirty five. So two fifteen. Pretty long for a Christmas movie, I'm just I guess. Like, God damn, yeah. Especially when like nothing resolves in a way that's satisfying. It's just, mm. yeah. I mean, it's fine to throw on, and then like I guess it doesn't really matter if you just throw it on and you just catch, you know, maybe the one person couple you like to pay attention to, and you just pay attention to those parts. That's probably like twenty minutes, so not too bad. <laughs> I guess maybe that's why this is like that. But yeah, I I did I actually did not like this movie. All right. What'd you give it? I gave it a two. When I, when I saw that movie, it was stupid. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> maybe uh maybe this movie would be more your speed. It's called Love Actually Sucks. From 2011. <laughs> that's a, directed a by Scud. Just one name. Scud is his name. <laughs> Scud. Yeah. It's, it's like Cher. Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna. <laughs> that would be amazing if we said the same. <laughs> Two different people. I guess we'll just go over everyone that uh, Bono. Uh, Bono. <laughs> that yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. All right. So I watched. Let's see. Let me go in chronological order here. Um, okay, I watched Theater Camp from this year, directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. Uh, had a, not a lot of time to kill, so wanted to get a shorter one off of my list for this year. And, uh, you know, I really love Jimmy Tatro, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it should be pretty funny. Um, even Ben Platt, I know he was in that terrible movie. I forget the title of it, but uh, in in general, I think he's pretty good. And this is definitely more his speed. Now, this movie, as well as the next movie I'm going to talk about, not made for me. Okay. This is <laughs> obviously a theater kids film, and they might connect with this a lot. But I did not. I still found it pretty funny. I thought the comedy in it was pretty good, but... Technically, and even just like the plot of the movie, I thought was pretty generic and lame. And they try to do this like mockumentary setup where they're the reason that there's people filming all of the events happening is for like a documentary that's coming out. And they just like don't commit to that idea at all. It's so stupid. Like, why do we have this like framing device? There's constantly, not constantly, but whenever they need like an explanation for something, there's just like a a black screen with white text that says the crew couldn't do this or whatever. And like, uh, (laughs) the camp has fallen on hard times. So Nick is, 
uh, selling whatever. Like it does exposition is all it says. It doesn't really matter the details, but there's always those things, and then it'll go to into the scene of uh, you know acting that out. Whatever that's the setup. Here's the scene. Some comedy. Moving on, and yeah, just it doesn't commit to the mockumentary style plot is a camp that is like you know hemorrhaging money and the the owner of the camp is in the hospital the son has to save it you know seen this a million times whatever and you know obviously that's it feels like it feels um uh uh it feels tropey by nature for like for the comedy but it's like it doesn't go enough into it. It's kind of like what it actually reminded me a lot of when I was watching it was Wet Hot American Summer, but that is like more absurd <laughs> and leans more into that. And I think that's f- way better and funnier. Um, but overall, it's it's not bad. It's just not for me. They don't do anything with like the framing device and the style that they're going for. And then, yeah, not everything slash all the characters and their storylines work. And there's, a few of them going on through the movie at once. So, um, yeah, I, I would say it's worth a watch, but definitely not for like top 10 material. If you're trying to get stuff in, this would be more of like a half watch, not a half watch. I mean, you should obviously give everything your full attention, but an easy watch, I'll say easy 90 minutes. Yeah. I did okay. actually start this movie. I, and okay. I got like maybe almost half an hour in and my girlfriend's like, we're not watching. I don't want to watch the same I'm like, okay. okay, so you can kind of speak to it. Like, yeah, I, I know all the like, parts that you talked. No, I mean, I definitely see that this must be like a movie that theater kids love. Mm-hmm. And I am just not in there. I'm not in the. Yeah. Can't relate <laughs> culture of it. So I just, yeah, I just don't get it. But like, I can see why they, they would love this, but yeah, not not for, made for me yeah if there was a com if there was a a comedic movie that put a spin on jesus camp i would love that shit because i had to go to that every fucking summer and i hated it <laughs> i did do like release time bible school and shit yeah i did go to do what like a couple week camp and for jesus in summers <laughs> too <laughs> that would be yes. great yeah um so yeah i gave it a three um watchable funny comedy is definitely there's there, there is a lot of funny parts in it and i think that elevates it and makes it watchable but um not something i would rush and return back to all right i watched christmas story wait on you <laughs> anytime i don't know to- like <laughs> I've seen this movie literally like probably, I don't know, like every, almost every Christmas, except for like maybe the past few years. It's been a little bit since I've seen it. I didn't forget anything about it. Was this inspired by our conversation in the premium? It it was exactly inspired by that. Love that little teaser. Uh, You guys want to check that out. Minimum donation of $1 on Bandcamp. You can listen. Yeah, I wanted, I'm like, you know what? My girlfriend's never seen this movie. It's a classic. Let's throw it on. We were just talking about it. Let's throw it on. And yeah, I think it's it's like a good Christmas movie, but it's very much. I also think it's almost weird looking because it's almost like my arc, like 
it's starting to get to a, I think a place where it's no longer like an experience that people have as kids around Christmas time. I I wonder like yeah, if it definitely people is. will care at all in like another <laughs> decade or two. Like they're like, I don't remember Christmas was nothing like that when I was a kid. Because even the parents, it's funny because like the parents kind of have nostalgia for the movie and like that time. So like their kids watch it by proxy, but now even like the parents can't relate to that. So like their kids aren't going exactly. to relate to it. Yeah. It's like when you think like the gifts that they're looking for, like the toys and stuff, like that's pretty much gone really. Like, yeah. And then even... I mean, like the relationships or even bullies, I guess. Like, I don't even think it's bullying is the same as it was then. And I don't know. Like, I do feel like it's starting to lose its, it's probably going to lose its relevancy uh, pretty soon, maybe. I don't even know if it's still like popular, honestly. I'm not, I don't pay attention, I guess. Well, the sequel was released not that long ago. So I don't know. Does that answer anything? Yeah, but that's for us. that's for us who watched this as a kid right Uh, yeah yeah true yeah i think it's still like classic it's i mean it's almost it and i do almost appreciate some of the jokes that i don't even think i noticed before like there's the obvious things that maybe don't age so well now but things like the dad, I remember specifically, like on the tree, he's like, "Oh, the green lights are out." She's like, "I think it's the blue lights," and then he turns it. See the green lights, and she's like, "She's like, oh, they're the blue." He's like, "I'm not colorblind." She's like, "Neither am I." <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a pretty. I thought that exchange was pretty funny because it's just it was very witty, honestly. Yeah. Some of it, like the jokes in it, are very like obvious and like slapstick or just like on the nose, but I felt like that one was a pretty good exchange. And there's a few like that, that I didn't really catch before, probably when the last time I watched it, I don't even know if I paid attention to it as much as I did this time. <laughs> like usually it's just on, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I don't, I don't think any Christmas movie is like blows me away or maybe they do. You should listen to our premium to see if maybe we did find an amazing Christmas movie. But yeah, I know. I think they, (laughs) I think they have like maybe a limit for me, but this is yeah, probably where it's at, and I I'm gonna give it a three point five. Huge. I wasn't. I mean, my uh, my imaginary whatever my rating that I I said I would probably give it a four still to this day. Not that far off from you. No. Pretty good. Okay, um, I watched a movie called Of an Age. Uh, Now, I watched this, so it says 2022, but I think it's technically 2023. And this was directed by my boy Goran, his name Goran Stolevsky. And I talked about another one of his movies, which had uh, Naomi Rapace in it. What was the name of that movie called? You were a little bit. Hold on. I'm going to find it real quick. You won't be a. You no won't one. be there. You, you won't be alone. You won't, you won't be, be alone. alone. You won't be alone. There we go. You will not be alone or you won't be alone. 
uh, which I think was last year, I want to say, or maybe it is this year, maybe both years. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I was interested in this. It sounded a little bit more, if you remember me talking about that movie, that was very like fantastical. It was very Malekian, as in like Terrence Malick, um, and weird. Uh, this seemed more grounded, um, you know, kind of like one night, one day setting ish. Not not completely. Doesn't commit to that, but uh, you know, love experience. Uh, also, again, this movie not for me. This is totally an LGBTQ plus movie, but. I was intrigued and I was like, okay, I think this, you know, this could be a sleeper. Turns out not that good. Um, it, uh, it is all of those things. It's, it's a, uh, a, a boy or a man, I guess he's, he's a senior, I believe. So he's going to college, a, a man just coming into his sexuality. And like a lot of this stuff has been repressed because of his ethnicity. I think he is, Serbian a lot of his like male the men in his life are very macho and they're like oh why don't you do sports and all this stuff and he's like a dancer so a lot of the stuff has just been repressed his whole life and he meets somebody that finally is like open about their sexuality and like he's just openly gay he doesn't care and you know they have this experience and then kind of opens him up and you know whatever but it's like a it's kind of like a, a lost love story where they don't end up together. They have this experience and they'll always have it, but they don't get to end up together. <laughs> so they split apart or whatever. And this is all in like the last, the, the experience and like the lead up to this experience is kind of the movie, which is not my issue with it. It's just that it, it, um, I don't really like feel that impact as much. And again, maybe this is something that you have to experience to really feel it. Like, uh, you know, haven't gone through this. So it's one of those like, what if movies, you know, like they have this experience and you want them to end up together, but they don't. And then like their whole lives, they're thinking about like, oh, what if? And then they meet up X amount of years later. I want to say it's like five or 10 years later. And they just have this moment where like they break down and it's not like they like hook up or anything because one of them's married. They don't fuck or anything like that. They just like hold each other and cry and it's, you know, emotional, dramatic, all these things, but didn't really like impact me in any way. And technically I don't think it's like amazing. I don't really think there's any, like, oh, it's very conversational and I think the writing is okay. I don't think it's like elevated past mediocre really, but again, not a movie for me. Maybe this speaks to uh queer people more or obviously it would but yeah even some of like the camera stuff it's shot it's like a lot of up close super up close shots and a lot of handheld stuff um which it's an indie movie and it's a dramatic movie where you're intimate you know you're intimate with in this story and that's probably purposeful but didn't land for me i gave it a two and a half well, you still need to watch BPM. I do. I do. I probably like that a lot more. Yeah. The dancing on my list would, for a while. Oh, would push I, it past that. 
Dude, there's so many of them. Just reminded me, I we fucked up. We didn't even mention the dancing in Poor Things. That was amazing. Oh, yeah, that scene was amazing. It was amazing. It was. It was so amazing. More, it was more off, like off-putting and weird than the dancing in the favorite. And I feel like that was like, kind of feel like it was intentional. Like he's like, I gotta one up myself from the favorite, and he did. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, not about of an age, but amazing dancing in Poor Things. Yeah, it was a great one. Yeah. Um. All right, that's it for me. Anything else for you? Uh, nope. Okay, let's wrap it up. Um, next week we have a couple options. Uh, I would say the big release that came out over Christmas was Ferrari. I am very interested in that, and I'm also very interested in the Iron Claw. Still, didn't have a chance to go out and see that. Yeah. So, I would put the ball. I would put the ball in your court and say, what do you want to see? Uh, before we do our top tens, what do you want to review? Because there's a lot of things that I want to see. All right, I wonder what's easier for me to get to. Because <laughs> I have like the two theaters that I go to next to me. One always plays everything and the other one doesn't. Okay. So I guess it's whichever one that has the, <laughs> it's going to have. Or if it has both, then I guess Iron Claw I'm more interested in. Okay. I'm also very interested in that. So, yeah, I still have uh, in my my theater that I normally go to, well, the color purple open to, I'm not as interested in that. Um, but Iron Claw, uh, I still want to see Godzilla Minus One. I've heard it's I a do really want to see that as well because everybody's okay. <laughs> like drooling over it. So I'm like, and yeah, okay. that's made quite a bit of list too. Um, that's still in my theater. So if I can make it to see that, I definitely want to. But Iron Claw, Godzilla Minus One, and Ferrari are my theatrical picks so um yeah i guess we can tentatively say any one of those but i mean if we're going by priorities let's put iron claw at the top godzilla minus one second ferrari third and um we'll see what we uh we'll see what we are able to make yeah that sounds good okay cool all right well that does it for us uh if you want to send us a question or comment you can email us at suds and cinema podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram at suds and cinema podcast i am on letterboxd and untapped at the kg project i'm on those as jsal 517 that's jsal 517 all right thanks for listening cheers guys to whisper Oscar Put a happy ending there And it'll write itself a flare All we need, all we need Are some meetings and a lead I got an idea for a movie It's about this guy